the genesis of Influencer is use the stage of college sports to set the stage for the rest of your life. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the cusp show where we talk about the business of sports, college sports, media, disruption, valuations, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson, here at the beginning of October. Tom, here we go again. Joe, I was, uh, good morning or good afternoon. I was uh, looking at my Axio Sports newsletter this morning, which I'm going to reference later in this conversation based on the, the subject we'll be getting into. But when I, when I read the section, which many of us, I think, enjoy reading, like what's what to watch, I think it's called, or what's on TV this weekend, yep. it just hit me how we are in the golden month of sports viewing right now there's so much good sports on these next few weeks starting with the the um the wild card playoffs this weekend and baseball of course the nfl the giants are over in london we've got all the college football the major soccer leagues playing including the end of the season for mls we've got the nhl starting next week i think tuesday and mm -hmm. nba yep. starting in two weeks the nwsl playoffs starting next weekend so if you like sports Great time. Now, if you can figure out to where, where to watch all that stuff, then, right. then you're okay. That's, that seems yeah. to be the problem with everybody. <laughs> that, that, that therein lies the problem. But um, one thing before we get to our guests and talk, I uh, have a really good, probably 45, 40 minutes, hopefully, of a conversation about his business, his background, and, and NIL, and, and all the different things going on in the college and high school space. Um, I thought it was interesting, Tom, you had the shout out last week for Amazon and lo and behold, our two favorite women broadcasters showed up back in the feed last night. They've now re-engaged. I noticed so, that and I actually watched yeah. that for a few minutes and they were, yeah. uh, they were interviewing, uh, Von, was it Von Miller? I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, it's an interesting, I, I love, I, I love this experimentation that they're doing. In fact, um, Joe, I had Royce Morris, grad of the program, former student and yep. former podcast producer, I would add, uh, who's working for Amazon Prime Video Live Events. And yeah. we were doing a deep dive in my class the other day on streaming. And it was so great to have an Amazon person actually break it all down. Joe, if you mm -hmm. saw the presentation he made about the army that they have assembled to do these okay. live events like an NFL broadcast. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. crazy. Dozens of departments, hundreds and hundreds of people. They, they are so, I mean, they're, they're obviously well known for their efficiency and all their processes and things like that. But the spirit of experimentation just runs through all, all aspects of this because they're measuring it's everything. It's a football game. That's At the end is. of the day, it's a football game, but yeah. it's also a new way to present a football yeah. game. And we'll see how it works out over time. Yeah. But they, based on that presentation, my interpretation was that their intentions in this business of live streaming sports is very, quite serious. Yep. I'll leave it there. So speaking of serious and presentations and futuristic topics, uh, let's talk a little NIL, influencer, digital business leadership right now, because our guest today is Jim Caval. Jim is the CEO founder, and I will say visionary, because we love, love throwing around platitudes, uh, behind Influencer. Um, and if you are anywhere around, especially the college space, even some of the high school space, some of the pro space on what the value is and how you kind of engage with athletes in the social space, there's probably no one more well-versed or deeply involved or looking forward than Jim is. So Jim, welcome to the Cusp Show. Oh man, thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm uh, I'm super excited about this conversation. Cool, Jim. Why don't you for the for the people who don't know, give us a little bit of your background on how this came about and and what influencer was going to do at the beginning and how it's evolved in a really quick short period of time. Well, you know, first of all, I mean, I'm a I'm a college athlete at heart. Right. I, I played college baseball um, and my journey to do that, you know, really just shows how crazy uh, I am about sports. I'm from upstate New York, Syracuse. It's where I grew up. It's where my family still lives. Got a baseball scholarship down in Alabama uh, at a small college, a Division II school, the University of Montevallo, and chased my dream. I always wanted to play ball down south. Did it. Went a thousand miles away from home. Culture shock and all that. 
ended up being the best decision I ever made. And, uh, you know, my first business was in tech and sports. I was uh, building for five years. I built a, a business helping high school athletes connect with college coaches digitally during the 2005 to 2010 range when, you know, streaming and sending your highlight videos and stuff was, um, you know, not necessarily the norm. I was helping kids not have to use VHS and DV, uh, DVD to send their highlights out, which was fun. Um, and, uh, you know, sold that business, built a second business, completely different realm, the fitness realm, where we took a, a, a gym that we built, me and my partner, and, and scaled it into 47 different markets across the country. Um, and during that time, I met Greg Sankey. And so Greg Sankey was a member at one of our gyms here in Birmingham. Wow. And he wasn't the commissioner of the SEC yet. He worked for Mike Slive, uh, who was the commissioner at that time. Uh, something interesting about Greg Sankey and Mike Slive is where are they from? They're both from upstate New York, Syracuse area. So all three of us shared this connection to central New York, and we all had ended up in Birmingham. We used to tell people we're in the witness protection program, you know, like who, 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 who knew, right? Um, and so I got to know Greg as a member of one of our Iron Tribe Fitness locations, um, and uh, he wasn't the commissioner yet. And then as he became the commissioner, I got to know him more and more, working out with him. He'd uh, give me some time and have coffee with me every now and then. And that's where I first heard the story of the Ed O'Bannon case. And it's where I first saw a little glimpse of the potential pain that it could cause this industry uh, of college athletics. And so I started studying it. And as I studied it, I realized that NIL was not a matter of if, but when. It was going to happen. Um, but I also realized that schools were going to do everything they could to suppress NIL um, because of the you know, changes it would cause for how they operate, how their student-athlete experience comes about. <clears throat> and so uh, 2016, towards the end of the year, I felt like it was the perfect time for me to sell. I had about, about seven years into building this national fitness franchise. My partner bought me out, and I took a year and just traveled all around the country, visiting with people in college athletics that I had connections with from my first business. And, uh, and that's where I got the idea for Influencer. That's where I realized that no, NIL hadn't happened yet. And I believed it would, but social media had. And college athletes needed help with their social media. Schools didn't realize that their athletes in aggregate had five to 10 times the audience size that they had on their team accounts on social. And there was a way to build something that the school would pay for, but it would help their athletes grow their following and have a more on-brand voice on social. And that's what influencers set out to do at the end of 2017 when we launched with Kentucky basketball, Auburn football, South Carolina football, um, and a few other schools was we built an app that the schools bought with a multi-year software contract with influencer. But that app, that influencer app was on the phones of all their athletes. And it's where their athletes got every picture and video shot of them by the school and their photographers and videographers, but also by the media, because we negotiated editorial rights with the Gettys and the USA Todays as well. And so that's what we did for four years before NIL began, was just be the best we could be at delivering content to athletes so they could then share it to their Instagram, their Twitter, their Snapchat, and ultimately reach a much bigger audience on behalf of the school. And the school had a way that they could tell recruits, hey, when you come here, we not only help you with your strength in the gym or with your performance on the field or academically, we help you with your social media and your brand through influencer. Wow. So, so Jim, it was basically like a, a dedicated content management system for young athletes. Yep. yep. Yeah. Vertically focused, not just right. on sports, but on college sports at first. We, we built everything we built for the college athletics program first. We said no to pro teams for years um, because we knew that there was a lot of intricacies. Um, I'll give you an example. College athletics departments don't have the staff to tag all the photos and videos right after a game. So we built AI that facially recognized and Jersey number recognized all the photos and videos. So the athletes would have a personalized gallery right after the game. Um, and so these types of things were important for two reasons. Number one, they gained Massive trust for influencer because we had multi-year contracts that had been renewed 
with a seven-figure recurring revenue stream of software contracts from the school. And, and that trust was big, number one. Number two, we had usage. The athlete was in our app every day because it turns out 18 to 22-year-olds really like pictures and videos of themselves. And so, um, and so those two things set us up so that my original inclination that NIL is not a matter of if, but when, let's build something to help with social and brand now so that when that happens, we'll be in a position to solve NIL too. We were in that position when 2021 came because we already had the usage by the athletes and we already had a great deal of schools, more than a hundred of them who had signed multi-year software contracts with us to deliver content to all their athletes and all their sports. And so in 2019, about halfway through that four-year journey to NIL, you know, for Influencer, Teamworks came to us and said, hey, schools are going to look to us to solve NIL. We are the software provider at the college and pro level for, you know, 89%, I think at the time of Division I schools, more than half of the teams in the NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, NFL, European soccer leagues like La Liga and English Premier League, even Australian rugby, like we are the platform that those elite sports organizations use to communicate with their athletes, to get them to fill out forms digitally, to send them playbooks, to you name it, like schedule things, like we're the system of record for all that. And these schools at the college level trust us and they're going to look to us to solve NIL. You're in a position to do it. Instead of raising a venture round, we were raising our series A in late 2019. We want to acquire influencer and we'll give you a great cash deal, but we also want you to stay on board as a CEO inside of our framework. And we'll motivate you with your shareholder position in Teamworks to do that. What do you think? And I went back and forth because I, I, I'm unemployable guys. Like I just am like, I've always worked for myself, but I was scared of like, what does it look like doing this? You know? And, you know, I got to hand it to Zach Marides, the CEO at Teamworks, because he's an operator, he's an entrepreneur, he's a founder. And he assured me that the things I was concerned about, whether it was the math of the deal and the final outcome, when everything was said and done and Teamworks hopefully goes public and all that to, to my role and how I would be empowered with capital to be able to keep building this thing and build the future for NIL. Like it was going to be done a way that would be okay with me, that I would be excited about. And I trusted them and it was the best deal I ever could have done because Teamworks has really been huge for influencer to become the solution from a software and technology standpoint for NIL. We have 70% of the division one schools under a average term of four years since that since nil began we built new tech so we don't just deliver content now we also are the place where schools send their donors their fans and any business or collective to register to find communicate contract with and pay their athletes and that payment system it's kind of like a venmo for nil is what automates all the reporting for compliance for coaches to be able to talk to recruits about how their current roster is doing with NIL. And it's where the student athlete gets her 1099 to do her taxes at the end of the year. So we really are the back office, the pipes of NIL. We're not a marketplace. We build marketplaces for the school. And so if you're a Michigan fan, you may have heard of the Victor's exchange. We built it, but it's branded for Michigan. And Michigan pays us an additional annual software fee for that marketplace, that exchange. And that's how we make money. We don't take a dime from any transactions that athletes do in our system. We make our money from upfront payments each year by the school. That's really important to us. So that's a white labeled solution then that you can bring, you can bring to any of the clients, correct? It is, it is. And you know, most of the marketplaces out there, um, they're free and they're free because they make their money from the volume of deals happening between a business or collective and the athlete. And it was really important to us that we went to the school and we said, we're gonna build you your own exchange, white label it, build it how you want, give you total oversight of every business collective and et cetera, that's wanting to work with your athletes so you can see who they are, let you be able to see the interactions, um, not the actual conversations, but which businesses and collectives are interacting with which athletes, the deal volumes, all that. It's a payment system at the end of the day, but we want to charge you for it. You're going to pay us more than 2X what you're paying us now per year to have this system, 
but your athletes aren't going to pay a dime. You're going to maximize what ends up in their wallet. And it's going to give you this oversight that makes it easier for everyone. The collective in business doesn't have to get a W9 from the athlete anymore. The athlete doesn't have to track down the collective or business to get a 1099 from each one that pays them. The athlete doesn't have to put a manual disclosure of the deal together for compliance because the payment automates that disclosure. There's all these things that are going to be automated, but you got to invest more into our software partnership. And, you know, the schools have decided to do that. And, you know, we launched that product at the beginning of this year, about six months into NIL. Um, and, you know, more than half of our 200 schools have already signed contracts to add it. And I, I expect that really all of them will have it by the end of next year. It's just really gone well. And I think it's a great product. It's a great model, but it's also big that we're doing it in conjunction and in a bundle with Teamworks. Jim, you, related to that point, in some of the stuff I read uh, about uh, you guys, including one of the articles you feature on, on your website, it was an SBJ article pre-NIL of July 21. A few times you said you made the point that you just made about not being a marketplace, but you called yourself an app store. Can you talk about that? I found that to be quite interesting and how yep. you would use inf the influencer platform to essentially bring to these athletes all the diverse opportunities they have in other marketplaces, so to speak, like Cameo, et cetera. Yeah, it's really important to me that we do everything we can to empower the athlete to centralize or defragment NIL because it's confusing. Um, and because they're already in our app to get content and now they're in, in our app to manage their NIL business with their schools exchange and all the opportunities coming to them that way, we felt like we had to have a general global exchange as well, where these awesome marketplaces that already have built themselves out that are doing great stuff for pro athletes or celebrities, we should have partnerships with them too, that have an integration that put them all in a menu like Roku or whatever analogy you wanna use that the athlete can learn about and sign up for through our system and link to our system to automate reporting and keep everything still happening through the one app on their phone, which is Influencer. And so Cameo is an example of that. There's a lot of great marketplaces we've partnered with like Market Price, No Cap, Mogul. Um, there's uh, partners from the business world like the WWE, ESPN, um, you know, uh, Campus, uh, Campus, which is Tim Tebow's NFT platform. Um, and so we're here to help those companies, Meta and TikTok are two other great examples, to help those companies have a menu option that all influencer athletes can see, not just based on which school you go to. And that menu option is there for you to learn about these other marketplaces that are doing great work in the space, but you can still link whatever you do with those marketplaces to your influencer app to centralize one place where you're getting paid one place where you're getting communicated with and one place where you're reporting everything, <clears throat> excuse me, one place where you're reporting everything to compliance and the IRS. And I guess you just do that through, through APIs to, for the yeah. interoperability of the apps. Yeah. Okay. Jim, what's the, um, what's been the, the pushback that you've gotten, if any, other than the price from schools or other potential partners who have not yet figured this out? I think some schools are on the side of a big power who's very successful on the field and didn't think, I'm not gonna say doesn't think, cause I think they're all starting to realize they have to care about NIL, but they didn't think they had to care about it. And because mm -hmm. of that, they're a little behind and they realize they're gonna have to care about it. Um, and then there's the smaller school that probably thought, you know, nothing's really going to happen at our school for student athletes here at this division two or small division one school. So why should we do anything right now? I think both of those schools are realizing they have to do more that just like you have to build a nice weight room and you have to have a nice academic resource facility in your athletics building with tutors. And you have to have all these perks for the student athlete experience to keep up. You have to do the same thing now with NIL. 
And there's really three categories where ADs have to invest. Number one, they got to invest in building the brands of the athletes. Hiring staff and having full-time salary roles for content creators is important. Having an app like Influencer to deliver the content to the athletes so they have the rights to share it editorially is important. The second thing you got to do is you got to have a system for your athletes to connect and process payments with whoever wants to work with them. And so that's where our exchange really is built for the athlete to be found and communicated with, contracted with, paid, and automate all that reporting. But then the last category is you have to have on-campus support. And many schools still have to catch up here. But it's just, it's, it's, it's clear to understand, like, if you get injured, there's a team doctor and a trainer to help you. If you're struggling in school with classes, you have the access to a tutor or an academic advisor can help you schedule more strategically during the season. When, when you have a question about a contract and that contract could have a clause in it that's maybe in perpetuity, signing all your rights away, like there needs to be somebody on campus you can ask a question to about that contract. You know, when you sign a contract and it says you have to be here at this place, take this picture with this shirt on and post this with this caption, you need somebody to help you fulfill that. Pro athletes have people that help them with this all the time. They're called agents and players associations. College athletes don't have a PA, and most of them, the great, great majority of them don't have an agent. So they need help. And that third piece is going to become more and more important. Great. And I, I agree. I mean, obviously, the support, one, one of the frustrations, I think, with anybody who works with intercollegiate athletics has seen is the great minds are living on campus or are in our alumni. I mean, there was an announcement today is first Friday in October, yesterday, Thursday, Tom, an alum from Columbia won a Nobel prize for physics. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's kind of like, I'm worrying about like, you know, color of sneakers in my class. And you know, that's a little bit higher up, but, um, but the question is uh, not the negative of, you know, obviously the investment on the side, what have been the bigger surprises? Like, I mean, I don't know if you can name schools or athletes who just came out of left field. They're not the football player. They're not the basketball player. They're not the, you know, the FBS school that you've seen or like they have set up the gold standard because they represent the best of what we're trying to do. Well, you know, Tom mentioned the Axos piece and, you know, it talks about, and I know you're going to get into it, but it actually kind of goes into my stories on this. Um, you know, the on three valuation and ultimately these categories of valuation coming from performance, influence, or exposure. So performance is everything from your five-star recruiting rating to your stats on the field. Your influence is your social media following and the amount of engagement you get when you post, how often you post. And your exposure is what school you play for, what conference you play in, what city you're playing in, right? So these things are real. And, you know, a lot of people are outraged that collectives are paying athletes who perform well just because they perform well. Well, brands do the same thing. I mean, Bryce Young isn't a big influence guy on social media, okay? Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy winner. And because of that, he's going to get big deals that no other athletes can get. And so if Bryce Young was also great on social, he'd make more money because he'd not only have a high performance rating, he'd have a high influence rating. But the inverse is true, and it gets to my answer to your question. Adrian Nunez built a huge TikTok following during the pandemic out of nowhere. Adrian Nunez does not get a ton of playing time at Michigan basketball. Big program, but he's not playing much, if at all. But Adrian Nunez has a big influence rating, low performance rating, big influence rating. And his exposure is pretty good, like Bryce, playing in an Alabama or a Michigan. And he's going to make a lot of money with NIL. And there's a lot of athletes who fit into this. And then there's athletes who do both, right? And you got athletes, especially on the gymnastics side, who you're seeing, you know, the average woman's gymnast, gymnast, okay? And the SEC on Influencer, the average deal is $17,000, okay? That's almost six times what the average football player from the SEC does in their deals average. Uh, uh, an influencer. So just think about that, right? Well, gymnasts are, they tend to be very good on social. They post often. They have what I would call influencer behavior. See, what happens for athletes is they go to a school and they play on a big stage and all of a sudden they're 
influencer status, meaning they have a big following, tens of thousands, or maybe even 100,000 followers, but they're not real influencers from a behavioral standpoint. They don't post often. They don't know how to connect with their audience. They need help with that. And, and so athletes who know how to do both, man, that is big. And I think you're going to see more and more of that over time. So I think the gymnast example as a whole is very interesting. And I think Adrian's a great example of how influence can still make you a lot of money, even if you're not performing on the court. So, so Jim, interestingly, that Axios piece that you referenced, or the, the on three study, broke that down to, you know, you mentioned the, the, the three categories, but they broke it down to five criteria that they use. Famous family, Olympian influence, one category is called studs, and the last was major market. So I thought that was interesting. The first two guys in terms of valuation on the top 10 list were high schoolers. But oh, yeah. they were fa their famous family high schoolers, Bronny James and Arch Manning. Can can you talk about that? Because I would imagine when you there, there's certain ones that you can't change. Uh, if you're not born in a famous family, that's not possible. If if you've never made an Olympic team, that's not possible. But you can make decisions as to how hard you work your influence game, and also what major market you choose to go to. So I'm wondering if that's actually influencing people's decisions, the last one at least, as to where they actually choose a, a high potential high schooler with a lot of NIL potential would actually choose to go to school. Yeah, so I think, you know, what's interesting is like, if you're a student athlete at the high school level and you've performed well and you've grown your influence on social because you perform well, let's say you're a basketball player, you played on a lot of big AAU circuits and overtime and some of these other big media outlets that cover that realm have amplified you and got you gotten you a following. Um, now you have this decision to make around that third category, exposure. And you could run uh, a scenario of, hey, if I go play at, you know, this big 12 school versus if I go play at Duke, you know, how does that impact but that last piece, because that's that, that's what you can control by your decision. And now what we're seeing with athletes is they're doing two things. They're either at the basketball side going and playing in the G League for a year just to make some money, which is basically shutting off exposure. Might as well take exposure from, you know, down to zero, because in Sioux Falls, you're not going to get close to the exposure you get playing at Duke. And, you know, that's just reality. You might make a few hundred thousand dollars, but. Look at Baycott. He just stayed at UNC because he gets another year to improve and he knows he's going to make at least a half a million, if not a million dollars coming off of what he did last year. Um, but the other thing athletes are doing is they're using the portal. And, you know, I look at uh, Amani Bates. Amani Bates had this massive following going into, high, uh, going into college. Um, but he was not a behavioral influencer. I mean, he deleted all his posts, never had more than one post showing on Instagram um, and just didn't use social much. He was big, big following because he's a great player coming out of high school. A lot of people say he's the next Kevin Durant. Goes to Memphis, not a huge amount of exposure, but decent exposure, Penny, uh, they make the tournament. Um, now he goes to, you know, Eastern Michigan, and then, of course, you know, more recently got in some trouble. But the point is, is, you know, the portal can take you one way or the other. I take a kid like uh, the Grady kid who goes from Davidson to Kentucky in his last year. And look what that does for him before he goes to the NBA and is able to do endorsement deals. So the, the portal also can play with that E, that exposure portion in some really interesting ways. But I think really the exposure portion is, is most interesting when you look at it versus going and playing in Australia or in the NBA G League? Um, we'll get uh, in our last two questions to uh, your entrepreneurial mindset and how you stay up to date with everything. Um, what's your biggest fear with this, with NIL? What's the biggest worry that you have that with the monster you've helped create? I'm worried that, um, that athletes and people who say they want to empower athletes think that employment is a good thing for athletes. I'm worried about how expenses like tuition, uh, extra pairs of sneakers that they get right now for free, unlimited meals from a chef that they get right now for free, um, uh, you know, uh, unlimited strength trainers, you name it. 
I'm worried about all that and the costs associated with it being passed on to the student athlete. I'm worried about the student athlete being able to be terminated because they don't perform well. And now because they're an employee, they can be fired. I'm worried about Title IX and how we're going to change the entire model and not be able to fund 30 sports in North Carolina. And North Carolina is going to have to get rid of a bunch of sports. I'm worried about the miseducation of the sports fans and brands that pay money to support college sports. Because no offense, y'all, you don't know how it works. Sports fans do not understand how this works. And so they, they, they think Greg Sankey makes decisions on an island. He's got 14 bosses called presidents. Those presidents have all different levels of how much they understand college sports, let alone support it. And he's got to figure out how to get them on board to make a decision. ADs have a board of regents, have three or four billionaires that influence a lot of decisions and a president that they have to make decisions around. Um, I just said what I said about employment. There's a lot of things that college sports fans don't understand. It was proven. It was proven when NIL started on July 1st, 2021. And tens of thousands of athletes who are also sports fans, so I'm putting them in the same boat as sports fans, tens of thousands of athletes posted this message on their Instagram. You ready? Hey, everybody. The NCAA has made it uh, allow, has allowed me to now make money off of my name, image, and likeness. And so I want every business out there to know my DMs are open for business. Those <laughs> athletes thought that the next day money was going to show up in their checking account. Yeah. The reason they thought that is because the media wrote about Zion Williamson and, and Trevor Lawrence hypotheticals for two years with NIL. When those are the 1% of the 1%. There's 500,000 student athletes, 499,000 of them have four figure earnings potentials with earning potentials with NIL. A thousand of them have five figure earnings potentials. A hundred of them have six figure and 10 to 50 of them have seven figure. And I might be a little off, but I'm not far off. And when you add all that up, is it a multi-billion dollar market? Sure. But the great majority of this market could make just as much money getting a 3.0 and getting an educator related benefits check that's now given to them for six grand a year as they can by putting in a lot of work to do their NIL. Am I saying don't do your NIL? No, it's another great part of the college athlete experience. We're in the golden era for the student athlete. They can get a free tuition. They can get all these perks I just mentioned earlier from the strength coaches to the meals, to the facilities, to the shoes and unlimited everything else. They can earn an educator-related benefits check for performing in the classroom that's tax-free. They can get a cost of attendance check to help with stipends and ensure they have a certain level of living experience. And they can make money with their NIL. And they can be a free agent every year in the transfer portal. This is the best that it will ever be for the student-athlete. And I fear that if we go into employment, we're going to reverse things in a way that's going to hurt them. Jim, that's a really interesting take. Thank you. Um, Joe, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing I am. It is kind of funny that we're having this conversation one week after we spoke to our last podcast guest, Dr. Patricia Dedlin, who, Jim, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the name. She started a bit, she's a PhD psychologist who's a recognized expert in mental health, uh, anxiety issues, depression, suicide, for, especially for young people. She started a business last year called Mood Lifters. And a one big part, one a major focus of the business is on young people, particularly those, uh, the kinds that we're talking about today, college athletes. She actually had one of her associates on who was a D1 track, I think track and field yep. athlete, very successful at Michigan, but then had a really bad injury and her career was over and she got depressed. I mean, she told her story and, and it was really kind of alarming and essentially what they indicated to us, and this is based on her extensive research, she still works at University of Michigan, mental health is a huge issue for a lot of athletes, particularly those that may have issues along the way with injuries or poor performance or whatever. So the other side of all this is the mental health side. Uh, she actually, uh, by the way, if, if you didn't know the name Mood Lifters, she described it as the Weight Watchers for Mental Health. She's really trying to figure out a way to bring this to the masses. It was really a really fascinating conversation. But can you talk about that as it relates to 
um, the other side of the coin that we just spent 35 minutes yeah. on? Yeah. 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 You know, it's, uh, it, it's a very important topic to me personally. And I know we're going to get into kind of how I stay sane while I'm building a business. And so I'll get to that, um, uh, you know, a little bit later, but it will touch on this as well. Um, you know, my wife, my wife is, uh, we, we have a, we have, we have such a, we're such an anomaly down here in Alabama. My wife is from Puerto Rico, grew up in Boston, learned English from Bostonian. So she has a thick, uh, a thick Boston accent looks very Puerto Rican. I'm an Italian guy from New York and we meet in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, and so, <laughs> and we love it here. And, um, and, and the reason I bring her up is she is a huge NFL fan, big Patriots and, and, and big Red Sox fan as well. Right. And I'm a New York sports fan. I'm a Giants and Yankees guy. We argue all the time. We're a house divided, but as I've, as I've grown influencer, we've, we've got a footprint at the pro level, but we're real big on the college side and, and everything with that IL. And so I've tried to turn her into a college sports fan and, you know, she just doesn't get it, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. And there's even more people going to the games to watch these games than the Patriots game. And I've tried to explain it. And so last, uh, not last week, a couple of weeks ago, I brought her to the Penn state Auburn game and we're on the sideline and uh, you know, it's, it's just a crazy atmosphere. It's one of the best ones you could, you could be in in all of college sports, right? First time a big 10 teams ever been in Auburn. It's packed. It's loud. Jet fighter pilots flying planes across the stadium to open the game. She's looking at me like, this is crazy, you know? And I'm like, yeah, this is, I told you, this is college sports. This is what I do, you know? And I'm trying to explain it to her. And she looked at me and she said, well, no, I say it's crazy because most of these guys aren't going to play in the NFL. And this is for some of them, the peak of their life. And that's really why I started Influencer. If I look back, did I think NIL was going to happen? Sure. Did I know when it was going to happen? No chance. Did I know what we were going to build to solve problems for NIL? Not at all. Did I want to do it someday when it happened? Yeah. But really, the genesis of Influencer is use the stage of college sports to set the stage for the rest of your life. To understand that you're not going to do this forever. This is a tool to build your network, create connections and relationships that you will use to set yourself up after you're done playing. And I remember the story of John Thompson. I'm a Syracuse guy, not a Georgetown fan, but I love John Thompson. Had a deflated ball on his desk for all his years as the head coach at Georgetown. And Allen Iverson tells a story. He's in there. Everybody's trying to sell Allen Iverson on going to Georgetown. And Coach Thompson points to the deflated ball and he says, what are you going to do, young man, when this game's over? And so a lot of this has to do with how we talk to these young people about that. Help them understand they're not going to play forever. Help them understand, use social, use rooms we put you in to make relationships and start thinking about what's next and get them to understand that this is not the peak of their life. Because for most of them, it is. And that's mm -hmm. dangerous. 22 so, years old and yeah. it's the peak of your life. That's, that's scary. Yeah. So it's funny. I've been um, talking a lot to senior, not just executives, but other people about second acts. And there's a book out there about second acts, including some of the young people that you've talked about, about how they evolve into something else. Um, when they, they, you know, act number one is over and they have to figure out what act number two is. So all really kind of relevant, really important much big picture thing, which is why we wanted to have you on, Jim. But, um, and I know we have to go in a couple minutes, um, but let's talk, let, let's do the last two questions in reverse, Tom, because I think, you know, yeah. your, your personal journey and, and the advice that you give, but also the places you draw from. I love the fact when we met um, um, in Colorado, we were talking about something and I mentioned the trillion dollar coach and you, your eyes like lit up. Like, I love that book. That's kind of one of the things I base a lot of the things I do on. So, so what is the advice and what have you learned as an entrepreneur that, that not just brings life to influencer and your, your previous business, but everything that you do and, and kind of how you keep things going along and, and talk to other people about, you know, growth overall? Well, it, as a human being, uh, so thinking outside of entrepreneurship, just, you know, we easily start to define ourselves based on our title. 
And, you know, if you've ever been in transition, which it takes being a little bit older and, and having a longer career to have that experience. But like when I sold my fitness brand and I took a year to figure out influencer, I realized how tied up my identity was in saying I was president of Iron Tribe. Um, and, you know, not having an answer and not even knowing what influencer would be and being on that journey was good for me because it taught me that I am not my profession. That's just a part of who I am. Um, that being said, I love bios and auto bios. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Trillion Dollar Coach to you. There's so many examples of so many great books that I've read. You know, Steve Jobs bio is one of my favorite, read it twice. But one thing you realize when you read bios of successful people is they have, for the most part, I don't want to generalize completely, but most of them have one thing in common. And that is they made a lot of money and were very successful in their profession. And the rest of their life was in absolute shambles. And so as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, at, uh, physically, and how they took care of their body, um, spiritually, they paid no attention and their life was in shambles. Now, there's a few examples I found that, that don't necessarily have that commonality, but for the most part. And so I think figuring out how you can, money's a good way to look at it. Maybe make a little less money or have a little less business success so that you can have great success with your body and how you eat and how you treat your body with workouts, great success with your balance, how you treat your spouse and how you develop that relationship, how you treat your kids, how you develop those relationships, your friends, um, do things for yourself and how you treat your, your being, your spiritual side. And for me, those are the four domains I look at my life through. business, body, being and balance. And for me, I, I'd rather be dialed down um, in, in business a little bit um, to dial up the other three instead of going hundred, you know, percent in business and being zero in the other three. Wow. Joe, I think he, he just won the award for the, the I don't, the I don't even know what to say. The best perspective on advice that, uh, we've ever heard, Jim, that was outstanding. Um, When's wow. the TED yeah, I'm kind of speechless too, but I guess maybe we should go to the next, uh, the, 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 the last question we ask everybody, Jim, which we, we warned you about. Um, I, I, I love the fact that your title is Chief Innovation Officer. We're, we're seeing that title more frequently in the business world because virtually every business needs innovation. Uh, it was, as those of us who are older know, it, it was never really a focus of companies necessarily. They had different departments attending to their strategy and their future opportunities, but no one truly thinking about innovation essentially full time. So the, the implication is that you really need to know what's going on. <laughs> so how are you staying smart? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Who do you follow? How do you perform your job as chief innovation officer from an informational standpoint? Well, this one is not very scalable um, because, you know, I do read a lot of newsletters. I read, uh, you know, being in college, I read D1 ticker every day and D2 ticker and SPJ. And, um, you know, that's how I keep up with the industry. Uh, I, I, like I said, I love books. Uh, there's a great podcast that I'm on right now called Founders. And it's just this guy that's reading 1200 bios. Um, and he does a one hour episode for each one. And wow. then you can decide if you want to read it. He's 240 or oh, wow. 250 bios in. <clears throat> it's called Founders. But, you know, to be honest, the way that I really do it is, is through relationships. You know, like uh, I, I go speak to student athletes, which I could charge for, but I don't. It complements our software. And instead, I get to go spend time with student athletes, get to know them, listen to them, ask them questions keep a relationship going with them through text and learn a ton from them. I do the same thing with athletic directors, with commissioners, with people from the pro sports realm, whether it's at, you know, a big agency or uh, a player's association or a league. Um, it's just like proactively every week I've got a pharmacist and it's the, it's the, you know, the 50 people that I want to interact with 10 a day and could be texts, could be emails, could be phone calls, but in a lot of time it's, it's, it's outward. It's not like, what can I ask them or get from them? A lot of times I don't have an agenda. It's more like, how are you doing? And, you know, 
what's going on in your industry and the, the, the organic nature of what I'm talking about makes it a little, I don't want to say nebulous, but you know, it's, 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 it takes, it takes that, it takes time. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I think that helps me think out the, outside the box more than anything else. Wow. That's another really good piece yeah. of advice. Make lists. Make lists. Well, just this idea of like, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's not some AI driven scalable technical solution <laughs> for learning. Yeah. Things. It, know, really, it really does require a willingness to put in the time, so to speak. And whether, you know, Joe and I, Jim, are fortunate to have been teaching for a long time. And I, and I treasure the relationships I have with young people, students and former students. It's really one of the great joys, I, I, I think, for me. And I, I know Joe mm -hmm. agrees. Oh, sure. And I learn a ton in the process of building and developing, cultivating those relationships to complement the many longstanding relationships I have from all the time I've been around. So part of it is, and, and I know Joe and I are two peas in a pot on this, you got to be willing to put in the time. And if you say, well, I can talk to you, but I'll give you 15 minutes. I'm a very busy person. Like, no, that's not the way you play it. If it's a good conversation and it's mutually beneficial, or even if just helpful to the other person, you let it go. And if it goes an hour, it's an hour. And we, most of us can afford the extra 45 minutes. Uh, we're not too big for our britches, as they say. Yeah. Well, I think you also have to create the controls in your life to do that. And so whether it's being in a company that allows you to travel or being in a company that has everybody still in the office so you can have organic conversations or whether it's not filling your schedule up so that you can have room for those organic conversations to start for five minutes and go longer or having a list all that stuff is part of like the controls that make it happen and you know i read something i don't know a couple of days ago about some pill that you can take that will like make it comparable each day of getting a 45 minute aerobic workout or whatever and like you know what? They can make as many things as they want like that. They can make as many AI driven communication tools as they want. Nothing's going to substitute doing the work. You got mm -hmm. to do the work and the magic pill. It's just kind of like in our industry right now, college sports, a lot of people, you can hear them saying, if the federal government would just, and if these guys would just do, and if so-and-so would just do this, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's going to be hard and nothing, Nothing great comes from anything easy anyway. So work hard and do the work. And I'm telling you, you'll see fruit. Yeah, Jim, you, I just wanted to go back to one specific point you made, which I thought was key. And I'm, I'm sure it wasn't lost on Joe. You, you said, you know, when talking about your list of 10 per day, and this is advice I give people too. And I remind myself of this. Don't just reach out when you need something from someone. <laughs> I mean, because that, that's unfortunately- Oh uh, boy. Oh, well, yeah, Joe and I have talked about this many times. I get, by the way, in this, as we're doing this podcast, I had texts from two different people saying, oh, can you meet? And I'm like, oh, boy, somebody needs a job. That's why they're reaching out to me. Yeah. Really, really I mean, you and Joe and I have joked about this, Jim. Like, you kind of know when you haven't heard from somebody in a few years. And they're, and you can kind of tell by the tone, maybe in the text or the or the LinkedIn message or the email, like, oh, yeah, they're going to they're going to need something. They're going to need a, a favor or an introduction. And look, I think we're both good sports will go along with it. But I, I try to preempt that, at least with the young people that I might influence, because it is something it is a skill you do have to develop. And you kind of need to know that it's not a as Adam Grant called it, you know, there are givers, takers, matchers. You don't have to have a transactional understanding about everything you do for one another. But you just have to kind of earn kind of your your relationship value, so to speak by by making it i think mutually beneficial the best way you can then over time there's just a given trust with good relate in good relationships that hey you need something just call me not even a question and and you can kind of bypass that i mean joe you I, I assume you agree with me joe yeah of course <laughs> yeah it's deposits and withdrawals you know what i mean that's all it is it's deposits and withdrawals and and sometimes your deposit is you know somebody's hitting you up for something and you're gonna still take the meeting and help them. Uh, maybe you'll even give them candid feedback after that, you know, hey, you know, next time, let's just hang out. <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, we've, we've got to figure out, we're investors with our time and, and relationships, and we've got to figure out where to make those investments. And uh, if we can provide value, it's gonna be reciprocated. And yeah. uh, that's where the withdrawal comes in. And you never know who you're gonna to need to help you in what instance um, but you don't do it for that directly. You do it because 
when you provide value, it just it reciprocates. Right, Joe. You don't want to say it like Don Corleone and say when yeah. when the, the guys are asking <laughs> asking him for favors at his daughter's wedding, and and they yeah. say, "Well, someday I'm going to need. I, I may need something from you. Keep that in mind." <laughs> it's it's funny. The last, um, and then we got to let Jim go. But yeah. um, there is a prominent, uh, high net worth person, very successful in this business, who about four months ago we were just chatting about something, and he was looking at me like looking at his watch, like he's got to go because he's got other stuff. And he said, you know, I got to go call this guy back. But frankly, I don't need any more friends. So I'm not why I'm calling. I'm like, it's sad that you go through life like that. But, you know, I think you can never have enough. You never know. So anyway. Yeah. So, so, Jim, before we let you go, the most important thing, I think, is tell anyone where they can find more about influencer, especially we've got a lot of people in the college space, some student athletes. Uh, who listen in every week from around the world. So uh, give them a little bit more of a, a POV as to where they where they find everything about you and influencer, you know, on whatever platforms that they should be looking. Yeah, so you can, uh, first of all, follow me, uh, Jim Caval. You'd probably see my name in the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at Jim Caval and pretty much every, you know, the social platforms. So LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Instagram are, are the three best places to find me. Um, but the reason I start there is because I, I am willing to answer questions and engage uh, anytime. You know, send me a message and uh, I'm most likely, I'll be honest, to respond on Instagram. I know that sounds crazy, but that's where I do the most DMing. But if you got a question, hit me up there. Um, you know, and then teamworks.com and then influencer.com are two websites. And they're also um, the, the names of the handles. So INF. LCR is how we spell influencer and then teamworks spelled like it sounds. You can find those, those companies um, on social, on any platform at that, that handle and, and on the web as well. Great. Tommy, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, Jim, thank you so much on behalf of the program and, and all the listeners. That, that was a terrific conversation. Really enjoyed it. And congrats on your success to date in this crazy business that we're in, and, and especially your world of college athletics and, and NIL. Uh, sounds like you've made some great moves and uh, you deserve the success you've had so far. And it sounds like you're kind of just beginning since we're only, what, one year, one year and three months in NIL, which is hard yeah. to believe. It feels like it's been a lifetime, Joe, already. Um, yeah. So no, well done. And we look forward to seeing where, where you go. And I, I, I especially love following chief innovation officers because I know the pressure is on for, for you to do new great things. So good luck with that. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Another good show. Thanks behind the scenes, especially to Sam and Danny. We are soon to officially welcome our new producers in. And one last plug for Columbia and the sports management program. The conference is on for October 21, October 21st, yep. which is actually hard to imagine this, but two weeks from today. So by the time this comes out, you'll still have about eight or nine days left to sign up. And we uh, urge you to consider coming. It's on the beautiful campus of Columbia University in Morningside Heights. There'll be a lot of great people there. And we'll have a lot of interesting um, networking opportunities and panels to, to learn from. So please consider uh, coming to the, to the show. Uh, and that's, by the way, you can find that on, on the Columbia School of Professional Studies website, the sports management section. Um, and hopefully we'll see some of you there. But thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.